I just prayed. I said, Lord, if anyone in that building is, is time that you're going to be taking, if they don't know you, Lord, just, you know, Lord, let, let them give their heart to you, Lord. And, and it, it kind of was a sadness on my soul that uh, a lot of people are going to die here. At that point, it just had a, a sense for the lost. And I pray that you will use my life In whatever way your name is glorified Mike Anson was a New York City firefighter on September 11, 2001. Today he's our guest on this episode of GPS, God People Stories. He's going to share about his experience and how it changed him. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. Jim, yeah, you just mentioned how Mike's experiences changed him. 9-11 changed a lot of people, um, myself included. How so? Actually, in a, in a lot of ways. But one way uh, that comes to mind is that I can say I became less detached from other people's suffering. And the reason I say that is because I was working in national news at the time, and I had reported on a lot of tragedies. And there's a certain level of detachment that goes with reporting tragedies in the news. Um, but that really changed with 9-11 uh, because we were reporting on the death and destruction in real time. I mean, as it's unfolding in front of us. You weren't just reporting history. You were a witness and communicating that devastation. Eyewitnessing it and reporting it at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. So the victims and their loved ones weren't just statistics in a news story anymore. They had become very real and very human. And our news bureau, by the way, was just up the road from the Pentagon. So I saw the devastation there in person, I traveled to Ground Zero and saw that in person. And all of it is is nothing that I really like to talk about very much. But honestly, my experience is pale in comparison to Mike Anson's. You had a very unique perspective on 9-11. And indeed, uh, Mike Anson does. It's a very powerful story. Let's share it now. GPS. God. People. Stories. Mike Anson had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ about 12 years before that terrible day in September of 2001. I was uh, on a way to work and listening to a radio station, a Christian station, and uh, they were giving a salvation message, and I actually said the prayer on my car on the way to work. And, uh, and I tell you what, I never, I never looked back, because I was 35 years old at the time and knew what I had before that, and I never wanted to return to that lifestyle again. In addition to his job as a New York City firefighter, Mike also served as a volunteer firefighter in his local community. When he heard the first reports about a plane flying into one of the World Trade Center towers, he, like a lot of people, thought it was a small plane and that it was just an accident. He headed over to his local fire station to watch news coverage of the story. After the second plane flew in, I, I, I knew right away that it's not an accident and this is, this is a terrorist and, and it actually was done on purpose. So at this point, I'm saying they're going to need help in, in the city and I need, I need to get to work. I, I just need to get to work. Mike got home, told his wife and daughter goodbye, and packed up his things to head into the city. But he knew that actually getting into the city by car might be difficult or even impossible. So he threw his son's bicycle in the car. If they're going to stop me, at least I could be able to, to bike into the city into the, towards the firehouse and all. So uh, I was making placards and cards. That if I had to park the car to the side of the parkway, I would just put a sign in, I'm, I'm a, a firefighter, so... That, that at least they may not tick in my car or anything. As it turned out, Mike didn't need his son's bike. The roads into the city had virtually no traffic on them, and his firefighter ID got him through all the police blockades. I mean, I got into the firehouse with probably the quickest time I ever got to the firehouse. 
But, you know, on the, on the way down, I could see the buildings, actually, because they were tall enough to see the buildings and the, and the smoke coming from the buildings and all. And you know what? I would just, I just prayed. I said, Lord, if anyone in that building, it's, it's time that you're going to be taking them. They don't know you, Lord. Just, you know, Lord, let, let them give their heart to you, Lord. And, I, and it kind of was a sadness on my soul that uh, a lot of people are going to die here. At that point, it just had a, a, a sense for the lost. And I pray that you will use my life In whatever way your name is glorified In addition to praying for those who would die, Mike was also anxious to help those who would survive. But when he got to the fire station, he and his fellow fighters were told they were not heading to Ground Zero yet because things were still too chaotic there. Instead, they were waiting to see if any more buildings were going to collapse. And then they'd go in later that evening. So about 10, 11 o'clock, uh, they had come to the firehouse they, with a bus, and they were picking up uh, the, the firemen. And as we go down, I mean, nobody's, nobody actually is, gonna, is knowing what's gonna, when we're going to expect down there, you know. And, I mean, it was, it was uh, the most quietest, you know, kind of like scariest quiet, you know, on that bus. Nobody, nobody hardly ever said a word. And, you know, you know, the bus little fireman, that's very unusual for nobody to, to say a word on a bus. But uh, we went down there and we drove down. And as we got closer, you can actually start to see maybe about 10, 15 blocks away, you can actually see uh, the, the gray powder from the concrete, from the building coming down, that the concrete just kind of pulverized back into a powder form, and it was kind of, you can see it on the cars now. When they got off the bus and started walking to ground zero, the dust got thicker, a quarter inch, then half an inch. Eventually, they were plodding through gray mud that had been formed by the dust mixing with the water that was being used to put out the fires. That mud was just one part of a scene that was simply beyond Mike's imagination. You're talking about a a six-block radius of buildings that just came down and just one big heap and everything. And, I mean, the smoke, smoke is still coming because of deep-seated fire in the pile and all. And they just they just said, go down and, and, and let's see what we can do. So we started to go in voids. By the way, voids are openings in the rubble and debris where firefighters hope that they'll find survivors. And as we go down, there's rigs that are crushed, rigs that are half-buried, sticking up in the air. And, and it was dark at this time because it's 11 or 12 o'clock at night now. The smoke is still pouring. We're still going in trying to, to get whatever we can of life. Hopefully somebody that we can pull out is living, but it was nobody. So now they had the heavy equipment operators coming in, and they had to get that to start to pull away the, the rigs and everything else so we can get into the void so we can, we can search for life and all. But it was still with just with more of uh, dead bodies that we're just pulling out. And it was getting very depressing down there, you know. How could it not get depressing? Thousands of people had been killed, and Mike and his fellow firefighters were digging through the rubble that buried their remains. Mike began asking God why, and even feeling abandoned by him. But that changed early the next morning. Volunteers had begun helping the firemen, bringing them blankets and food and water. It was more of a uh, situation there where, where the Lord was telling me, you know, you know I, I didn't leave you. I'm still here with you, you know, and I'm still, I'm still God. I'm still God controlling everything in a, in a world of sin, but I'm still here loving you and, and, and giving you peace and comfort in, in it all. And uh, to see the, uh, the, the volunteers, you know, bringing more food 
and 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 uh, the nurse is there, and I realized that that God was there, that that, that He was bringing these people to, you know, working through them to helping us, and and just they're volunteering and putting their their life in danger as much as we did, and they don't even going to get paid for it, you know, and we're getting paid for this, and 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 they're giving a snack, and I mean, you could see the. Even though the smile on their face was it was a smile to try to to build us encouragement, but you could see in their eyes that what they felt that is what we were feeling. You know, God used those volunteers to give Mike hope in a very dark time. I started to pray. I just prayed, Lord, help us. Just help us out here. We need you. We need you bad. And uh, and I knew it was going to be a long haul. This was not going to be just a day thing. It was going to be many times that we were out to go down here. But I felt his presence there, and I seen the presence through his volunteers. 9-11 changed a lot of people's lives in a lot of different ways. For Mike, it made him much bolder in sharing his faith in Christ. 9-11 was a great awakening for me, because I knew what the Lord had let done down there at, the, at World Trade Center was awakening for Christians to get up and be bolder, and to get out there and serve the Lord, and to seek Him and to love Him Above all, first and everything. Won't you be my Lord's calling? Won't you be my hands healing? Won't you be my feet walking to a broken world? Over the last 15 years, Mike has shared his faith in fire stations and spoken at churches across the country. And he's also gone on foreign mission trips. And now that he's retired, Mike and his wife serve as chaplains with the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team. Mike also ministers at a local hospital. Mike is serious about letting people know that Jesus loves them and wants a relationship with them. He would tell you that right now if he were with you. Since he's not, we'll intercede on his behalf and tell you more about that all-important relationship with Jesus Christ at our website. It's BillyGrahamRadio.org. When you're there, click on Grow Your Faith. BillyGrahamRadio.org. In just a minute, Mike's going to share how he was reminded of God's love for humanity in the twisted wreckage of the fallen World Trade Center towers. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Words simply cannot express the horror, the shock, and the revulsion we all feel over what took place in this nation on Tuesday morning. September 11 will go down in our history as a day to remember. Billy Graham. We've seen so much on our television, on our, heard on our radio, stories that bring tears to our eyes and make us all feel a sense of anger. But God can be trusted, even when life seems at its darkest. The Bible words are our hope. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. As a Christian, I have hope not just for this life, but for heaven and the life to come. And many of those people who died this past week are in heaven right now. And they wouldn't want to come back. It's so glorious and so wonderful 
And that's the hope for all of us who put our faith in God. I pray that you will have this hope in your heart. And now back to the hosts of GPS, Jim Kirkland and Phil Fleischman. The terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001 are reminders that evil is a very real part of this life. But as Mike Anson dug through the remains of the World Trade Center towers, he was reminded that God's love and power are greater than death. And, you know, as I looked up, I seen the I-beams, but all they, all they resembled to me was crosses. And you know what? And it just put in my mind of what Jesus done for us on Calvary with all those crosses, how he gave up his life for us to set us free and to give us an eternal life with him. You've heard Mike Anson share his 9-11 stories and how they've changed him forever. Now, your turn. What about you? How did 9-11 impact you? I suspect you remember exactly where you were when you first heard the news. Your memories of 9-11 are something we'd love to know. You can share them with us by leaving us a comment here. Have you been following the Decision America tour with Franklin Graham? He's been traveling all across the U.S. to hold prayer rallies in every state capital. He's urging Christians to boldly live out their faith at home, in public, and at the ballot box. Franklin's next stop is on the 13th in Dover, Delaware. Then he heads to New Jersey and Pennsylvania on the 14th and 15th. You can see pictures from a lot of the rallies, stories about the tour, and the full schedule for the remaining tour stops at DecisionAmericaTour.com. That's DecisionAmericaTour.com. This is GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. GPS is an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news.